Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Did you see that the Arizona Diamondbacks, who they just set an MLB record? Sure did. 23 straight road losses. I actually, no lie, I think I'm impressed that. They've lost 23 straight road games, and their record's only 20 and 50. I feel like it should be worse than that. What would that make them? 20 and 27 in the other games? I believe they're like 5 and 39 in their last 44 games or something absurd. 5 and 39. So they would have started 15 and 11. Don't hold me to that number, but they, okay. there was a. I was watching, I believe, the Mets broadcast yesterday, and they were mentioning, and I believe the number that was thrown out was 5 and 38 in their last 43 games, but of course they lost today to San Francisco. Okay. So that would, I just added another to their sort of made up on the spot stat, and I don't feel like looking it up. All so. right. There are other people that can do that. Right. Um, our interns. Yes. <laughs> our, our army of interns out there <laughs> can get, get on that one. Uh, Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Um, allergies are crushing me. So if I sound stuffed up, I apologize. You actually, you don't sound too different. All right. Well, maybe I didn't even need to mention it then. Uh, you sounded a little bit different there. Okay. You had a hard time pronouncing now, that, that, uh, the yeah. couple words in that sentence. Maybe yeah. there's a couple of words <laughs> that I'll have an issue with. Yeah. Just can't unplug the last couple of days. Sudafed, trying everything. Just no, nothing. So uh, if I sound a little different, that's that's why. There's nothing else wrong with me other than just allergies. Um. The U.S. Open is going on right now. I'm going to want to talk a little bit of golf at the end of this segment, and we'll hear from Elliot Friedman before the end of the night because that's really where the juice of all that has happened on the station since when does he come on with the instigators? Eleven o'clock. Yep. Today, I mean, not quite Friedman bombs, but confirming the Ducks are in on Jack Eichel and also Sam Reinhardt. By the way, he confirmed that. That is something. The fact that there's at least one team out there that has wanted Ristolainen almost as a throw-in to an Eichel or a Reinhardt trade. The fact that Columbus is interested in Sam Reinhardt. The fact that other teams would view Reinhardt as a center. 
We got a lot out of that Friedman visit today with the instigators. I am locked in on the Ducks. I'm locked in on the Ducks. And I also want to let me let me play the clip. Because I think I mentioned it yesterday on the air that I'm not sure I completely believe the LA Kings when they're putting it out there through John Hoven, their reporter, that they are out on Jack Eichel, that he is not on their summer wish list. And Friedman said this today. I think John is really plugged into the Kings there. You know, I will say this. There are people who believe the Kings are completely lying. We'll find out. Uh, Consider me one of those people. Consider me one of those people that thinks the Kings are lying. Why would the Kings not be in on Jack Eichel at all? For the same reasons we said they shouldn't be on in on Jack Eichel because they'd have to give up. They're not that good, and they'd have to give up uh, their young players that are actually going to re- rebuild that roster. Yes. We've talked about why the Kings should not be in on Jack Eichel. But I don't believe that Rob Blake and their management might see it the same way. I'd give them a lot of credit if they do. But Rob Blake... I don't know. Dowdy on a seven-year deal left with $11 million per. Jonathan Quick on a bad contract. Unless they are using the Eichel trade to unload one of those awful contracts, I would imagine that Quick would be the one because the Sabres are not taking an $11 million contract for the next seven years. That is not happening, uh, especially with Skinner and Oposo still on your, on your books. I don't know. It could be an avenue to both get Quick's money off and... Even though Dowdy's not worth the money he makes, he's still relatively good in the league. He's probably a $5 million defenseman at this point in his career. Kopitar's 33. Dustin Brown is 36. He's still playing at a pretty high level, by the way. Like, they're Who? Brown. The last two years, he's kind of had... So we have a little career resurgence? Well, just a mini. Like, he's not the player he once was, but what did he have last year? Uh, I had him on my fantasy team the last couple of years. He had... So after... What, going without scoring 20 goals for six years? He hit 2013, his numbers tanked. He was in the 20-point range four years in a row, and then he was a 36-point guy at 14 goals. Since then, as a 33-year-old, 28 goals, 61 points. 34-year-old, 22 goals, 51 points. In 66 games in 20, 17 goals, 35 points. And then last year, 17 point goals, 31 assists in or 31 points in 49 games. So he has had a, a he's a bit of a comeback here. What a weird career trajectory. So weird. I mean, that would be like it really his drop off happened to right right around when Oposo's happened. That would be like if Oposo next year, the year after, just suddenly regained his right. He returns to a, form. He returns to a 60-50 point player. Yeah. I mean, that would that's weird. But anyways, like they've got veterans there that I still want to believe deep down that they want to take one last run at it with those guys. And there's no better player to get right now than Jack Eichel for that. And they have the pieces. I kind of want to I don't want to force LA into that. But I do wonder, too, if they would look at, if they were kind of in on Eichel, if they might be more in on Eichel because their crosstown rival from 30 minutes away or probably two hours with L.A. traffic, three hours, uh, that they would think, okay, we're not only getting him for us, we're getting him to prevent Anaheim 
from getting him. So I'm looking I'm looking at Southern California. I want it for the Sabres to be one of those two teams because they have the most to offer. And one other thought I have on this, and then I'll let you jump in, is the Rangers appear to be less and less likely for this deal. After being the team that everybody talked about for a year when it came to Jack Eichel trade rumors and the fans writing about or bloggers writing about potential Eichel trades in other markets, it was always the Rangers. And they were the original favorite at Bet Online when those odds came out about two months ago. The Rangers don't have the center that both Anaheim and LA do. The Rangers don't have the pick that both Anaheim and LA do, especially Anaheim picking at three. LA's at eight. The Rangers are at 16. And now, Friedman, one other thing he said today, among the many things, was that the Sabres want to ship Eichel to the West. And if an East team is going to get him, they're going to have to pay a premium. What is that premium? Because the other thing we've heard about the Rangers in the past is that they were not willing to trade the first overall pick last year for Eichel. And that would tell me they weren't willing to trade Lafreniere. Obviously, that's who the first pick was. So... If they're still not willing to do it, you are not even in the conversation. You're not even your phone call or text is not even getting a reply. And I'm not I'm not even saying with Lafreniere I would do a deal with the Rangers. They they still wouldn't be my favorite landing spot if I'm Buffalo. Because he's staying east and I'm not getting the center. So the Rangers to me seem like almost a zero for an Eichel trade idea because in the past, they have not been willing to ship Lafreniere to Buffalo, and there's no way they're even in the conversation to me unless he is the foundation of a deal with the Sabres. Does it annoy you at all when teams say, oh, we're not going to trade you to here because... Yes. It's like... I kind of get it. Have some competitive spirit. Yeah. Make a deal that is the best deal, and let's go. Like, you're, you're trading this guy. So if you have to play him a few more times this year than you would have to if he played in Anaheim, like who cares? Right, it's an extra t- f- three games. Yeah, like come on, are we? That's where we're gonna draw the line here. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And it's not like you're facing. And him also, in the why are the <laughs> these other teams not held to the same standard of making sure this is a premium deal? Because it should be a premium deal, no matter who you're trading with. Mm-hmm. But here's one thing that I'm concerned about. I think Sabres fans have their hopes set way too high on what the Sabres are going to get back for Jack Eichel. Like, the best offer that I'm kind of seeing that maybe has legs, maybe not, because Friedman kind of said he doesn't really see it this way, but what we've heard over the past like 24 to 48 hours, a lot on social media specifically, Zegras and the, the third overall pick. Yep. If they get that return, I will be satisfied. Not happy because I think this whole situation has been botched to no end, but I will be satisfied with the return. I see that as doing about as good as you can do in a terrible situation. I'm not expecting that. I am not expecting that kind of return. So what are you expecting then? Three and then their like third best prospect? That's, there, kind, that's more is what I'm expecting. I'm expecting... like. Two lesser prospects who could still be good. Like I've seen, what's his name? Uh, Max Comtois. Mm-hmm. His name thrown out. Uh, I could see two lesser prospects than Zegris okay. and the third overall pick. So you think it's more likely right now that the Sabres would be trying to talk up the Ducks to three and Zegris 
rather than the the Ducks trying to talk the Sabres down to Zgris and three. You don't think that deal's on the know, table right now? I don't know where the conversations are. I have no idea. I am just concerned that we all have our hopes set way too high on what a return will be for Eichel. I am concerned that when this deal inevitably pops up on our phones and we see Pierre Lebrun say Jack Eichel is headed to X, we are all going to be deflated because we're comparing what the actual return is going to be to some of these inflated perfect case scenario trades. Not even perfect case scenario, best case scenario trades like the, the like we talked about yesterday. I think a lot of us are going to be disappointed because one of the first trades thrown out there was this idea of Byfield and Turcotte and a couple mm-hmm. of first round picks. We know it's not going to reach that level of return, right? We can all agree. I think, I think yeah. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out, but most likely you're right. So two first-round picks, Turcotte and Byfield, we can throw that out the window, essentially? The, ol- the only reason I'm not completely throwing it out the window is because that original hypothetical that Craig Custins posed to NHL executives, the NHL executive, whoever it might be, could just be some random guy that doesn't even have a lot of power within his organization. I don't know who that executive was. But that executive's answer to that offer was, I think that's what it would take, and I think the Kings would do it. Now, he's probably wrong, because the Kings might not want to do it at all. Right. So, who? what does he know? But that's the reason I won't completely throw it out the window. It's the absolute best they could do. Yes. It's very slim chance, in my mind, though, that that is the type of return they will get. Right. Which is kind of what we originally heard. The first time we ever heard about like an Eichel trade return, it was, well, they want four first-round pick pieces. Either first-round picks or, or... prospects that match a first-round pick. Exactly. So... I'm not I'm not ready to assume they're going to get the four, especially if their piece is as valuable as a Byfield or a Turcotte, because those are high-level first-round pieces. But I don't think it's unreasonable for the Sabres to expect and Sabre fans to expect them getting two of those back. And I think that's what you're getting in the Anaheim deal. I think it might be reasonable. It might be fair value at its foundation to get Drysdale, Zegris, and the third pick for Eichel. Because... In essence, what is that? Zegris looked really good. He looked he looked really good in the World Juniors, and he looked pretty good in limited NHL action last year. He did need some grooming, though, in the AHL before that. He is a very good prospect. He did look very good in the AHL. He, he was over a point-a-game player. That's right. right. But what is he? He's a Dylan Cousins-level prospect. Ninth overall pick. He won one spot, one or two spots behind Cousins. And one thing I've said about Cousins is... Yes, he's the most valuable prospect in the Sabres organization right now. But do not just assume that that guy is going to become an elite center, that he's even going to become a top six center. Because once upon a time, and this is more of a Cousins comparison than it is a Zegras comparison, but it's a lesson in you can't just assume these guys are always going to hit, even if it starts off well. We all thought Zemgis Girgensons was going to be a second-line center to yep. Jack Eichel. He was going to be the captain of this team. And we had every reason to believe that. He was picked high enough. He was, what, 14th overall. He was really good as a center in his rookie year. And it was all, all the same things you heard about Cousins. He Look how mature he is. Look how good he is at both ends of the ice. Look how hard he works. Look where he's not afraid of anybody. Gergensen's in his rookie season was Dylan Cousins. And it went nowhere after that. 
That, though, is worst-case scenario for a prospect like that. That is the, the worst it could possibly go, I think, for a pick that high, a player like that when he first arrives on the doorstep. But to me, the lesson in that is, yes, Trevor Zegras, we all, what do we think of Trevor Zegras when we get him? Oh, hell yeah, this could be our first-line center to replace Jack Eichel for a really long time. This guy could be Matthew Barzell, scoring 60, 70, 80 points a season. That's all what we all dream about. But the value of Zegras is not as high as an Eichel, of course, because there is doubt. It is an unknown. And I think you have to take that into account if you are both the Sabres and you are the Ducks. Because in essence, the third pick is the same thing. Who are they getting at the third pick? I will talk about the draft comment, by the way, that Friedman laid out about the Sabres. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. We'll get to that in a second here. But let's look at what the draft for what it really is. Powers going one. Beneers is going two. You think? You I think, think that's, that's locked in. You think Beneers to Seattle's locked in? I think the, as Power has kind of staked his claim to the first overall pick as time has gone on, I feel like Beneers has staked his claim to the second. I'm not seeing a lot of arguments being made that he that anyone else should go to. So, even if it's not a lock and it's definitely less likely than Power going one, let's consider Beneers the favorite to go second overall to Seattle. Third, you're up third if you're the Sabers. Who are you looking at? You're looking at my boy, Luke Hughes. You're looking at the Swedish defenseman, Simon Edvinson. You're looking at the Michigan center, Kent Johnson, Will Eklund, Will Eklund, the center from Sweden. Those guys are the same thing as Zegras, but they have less development. They have less proof of concept. They're the same thing, though. Yes, the, the upside is there, but there is still a big floor or a, a deep floor, a low floor. And to me, why that deal should be acceptable on all sides and would, to me, be a fair compensation at this stage in the Eichel trade market is it's basically, let's call it Eichel for Zegras and Kent Johnson. The Sabres could get nothing out of that. Mm -hmm. Yes, they could get two very good centers. To me, the odds of them getting an Eichel-level player out of one of those two, it's not that high. It might be 50-50 at best. Oh, at, at best. So We're to me, talking about Eichel, who's at the top of his game, is a top yes. five center in the NHL. So to me, I think Anaheim should think that's reasonable. And they should think, with all these other teams that are out there, because that's the other thing. Anaheim, why are they the favorite maybe right now? Because they have the elite pieces to give Buffalo. If they start to, to throw around, well, we'll give you three, and then we'll give you these prospects that you talked about, who are a couple of steps below. Well, suddenly, if I'm Anaheim and I do that, I just let Columbus into this market. Because the Blue Jackets don't have a prospect like Zegras or Drysdale. Or the pick. They have, the, they have a fifth pick, which to me is close enough to think, I got to give them Zegras or Drysdale because otherwise, right. Columbus has the fifth pick. They also have multiple first-round picks later that suddenly they can outbid me. And that's where I think three and Zegras is where we... An, ultimately get because it's the floor it's the baseline for Anaheim to outbid everybody else so if Zegras is not included in a deal for Eichel the adjective to describe you is what if he's not included well is Jamie Drysdale in it say it's two lesser prospects than Zegras and the third overall pick where do you stand devastated devastated this is the trade that is supposed to restart the franchise, and, and I, that is not the way to do it. You might even be able to find the Friedman clip where he, of him saying he does not think it's for Zegras and three. Well, let's play that because that he he brings up a comparable that I kind of want to 
throw some shade at. They're talking to Buffalo about him. I know you sent me like Zegras in number three. I don't know if it's that. I would believe the third pick would be in play potentially. The thing about Zegras is they really made a big pitch at Pierre-Luc Dubois from Columbus before he was sent to Winnipeg and they refused to include Zegras or Drysdale in that trade. So I just don't know. It could be. I just don't know. Big diff- There's a difference between Pierre-Luc Dubois and Jack Eichel. So that, that's, I will... that's my big problem. There's okay. a huge difference in my mind between those two. And I, I don't like the... I just don't like the concept of I'm going to assume Zegris or Drysdale's not in an Eichel offer because he wasn't in a Dubois offer. Right. That's No, I, I agree with that. But it, it was yeah. just interesting that he... You know, for seeing it everywhere on social media, Zegris and three, Zegris and three, Zegris and three, that the first thing that he says is he doesn't think it's that. You're right. Of course he qualified it, as all insiders do, you just say, by I don't saying, know. I don't know. Yeah. But, but he definitely, the first thing he said was, I don't think it's that. Did he say, I don't think, or did he say, I don't know? Okay. Well, uh, said, let's hear it. They're talking to Buffalo about him. I know you sent me, like, Zegris in number three. I don't know if it's that. Okay. I would believe the third. He. I also wish I had the beginning of that clip. Because did you hear the beginning of the clip? They're talking to Buffalo about him. I know. You- I don't. I don't know who that is. They're talking about, about who? About who? Yeah. I have to imagine it's Zegers. No, I imagine it's Eichel. They're oh, Anaheim no, you're is right. talking That's to right. Buffalo about Eichel. No, you're right. That's right. Yeah. Um. Real quick, and then we'll take a call, and then we'll take a break, and we'll hear more from Friedman. They're even though they might be a similar level of prospect because of their talent, they're different positions. And if I told you. Because you're you're right now more pessimistic about this idea than I am. If I told you that it's Drysdale in the third pick, then how do you? It's a defenseman. Suddenly, how do you feel about it? This team needs forwards. It's that simple. This team needs to score. And yeah, the t- they need to rebuild their blue line too. But if I'm trading Jack Eichel, I want goals coming back my way. I want points coming back my way. I am open to it. But the thing that scares me is if Beneers is not there for you at three, the best prospect on the board they might think is a defenseman just because of the amount of them. Oh. Maybe maybe they fall in love with Ken Johnson. Maybe don't, they fall in love with Will Eklund. Don't do this to me, Joe. If they walk away from the draft with two defensemen. See, to me, though, like – it's not. I would much rather have it the other way. Don't get me wrong. I would rather have Zegras and Will Eklund be the two guys they get yes, out of a deal like this. Absolutely. That, that's my. But I'm not going to think it's the end of the world if they come away with two defensemen. Because one thing this team has not had in a decade is an identity. And I'm not necessarily saying that I want this to be their identity. But if they just fill up their blue line with young, dynamic, puck-moving defensemen, I'm going to feel like there's a path to them being really good that way. Again, it's not the path I would take, but it could work. If you come into, probably not next year because some of these guys will, might need a year in Mich- at Michigan, but if you come into 2022-23 with a blue line that consists of Dahlin, Yoki Haru, Owen Power, Jamie Drysdale, and Luke Hughes, I'm going to feel like that could work. At least you have an organizational, a defined organizational strength that you can then build from around that. Right. What is your plan? You at least have one at that point. Right. Your plan is, I'm going to try to win by having the best blue line in hockey. 
you got you need a, all those guys to turn into great defensemen. And at this point, maybe none of them are considered great defensemen in the league. Uh, Darlene is getting close. But you've got a ton of potential there because if even four of those five guys hit, then you are talking about one of the best blue lines in hockey. I'm not going to let you talk me into thinking think that's a good idea. I think I a little bit. I think but I, I, I talked see you a little your bit. point. Yes. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> that's not talking you into it, but I think I talked you off a ledge if that's what happens. You did. Okay. All right. Let's take a call. 803-0550. We'll hear from Friedman coming up later in the show. Here's Jerry and Ken Moore. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jerry? Hey, guys. Um, you, you know what concerns me a little bit is for years, for, for the whole history of hockey, it's been a star driven league if you look at the greatest players of all time there's only like two or three of them that never won a stanley cup stars win stanley cups you know if you ask people who are the greatest players to never win a stanley cup and it's marcel beyond daryl settler and joe perot everyone else has won a stanley cup now with that said who is the best player still alive in this year's stanley cup playoffs none of the superstars are playing anymore except for you know victor hedman and a couple goalies you know, Matthew Barzell might be the best player playing right now. You know, it's, it's about team balance and team concept, this league right now. And if you can get a whole bunch of pieces back for Jack Eichel, you do it. But I don't settle here. There's always a third path. The third path to me is telling him, get the surgery, come back. If in December you're unhappy and you're playing real well, we can get an awful lot for you. I don't understand why it's an absolute that he has to go. I thank you for the call, Jerry. I, I don't want to throw that away. I agree. I, 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 I I'm not against that at all. Holding right. on to him now. That's there, there I'm might more be a surprised there. that it's talk that it's imminent in days or weeks. I know. I might want to qualify that though, just because I don't think that's a bad idea doesn't mean that that's what's go- that, that might even be possible. Right. I'm very worried that they are close to the idea of him coming back on this team next year. And that scares me. We talked about this yesterday. Because if there's not an offer that they think is deserving of Jack Eichel out there this offseason, will they still do it? And I am not sold that the answer to that question is no. That's what scares me right now. They have a GM that, no offense to Kevin Adams the least qualified person in his job maybe in the league when he got hired. You have an organization that has been taken advantage of very recently in a similar deal. And if they don't, and in that deal, you they felt rushed. And they did it. The same situation happened with O'Reilly. They were close to the idea of him coming back. And they were close to the idea of him being on the team past that July 1st. And if you are close to the idea of Eichel being on your roster at the start of the season, there is a much greater chance. You're at least opening the door to being ripped off completely. Yeah, I mean, you just give away your leverage. That's what you're doing if you give yourself no way out of this. If if, if it's true that O'Reilly had to be traded by that deadline on July 1st, then... Teams know that, and that's why the return was the way it was. If you're, and and that's why I agree with the caller 100%. There is another avenue, but like you, Joe, I am concerned that they want to wrap this up quickly because they don't want it to be a distraction. 
I'm fine with the distraction. As much as I also don't want to hear about this every day for an entire summer, at the same time, this is a crucial trade that you have to nail. And if an injured Eichel, who clearly wants out, even though he hasn't explicitly said that, if an injured Eichel who wants out is... Like, that's what's going to happen. He's going to get traded, and you are, you want to get him out, you're giving up your lever- your leverage. Yep. I mean, it's it's just, it's the, just that simple. Because you're just going to take the best offer that's available at that time. All right, let us throw up another caller here. And Michael, you're on the nightcap. What's up, Michael? Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Not so bad. Um. Do you guys think that we're lowering like our expectations for what we're going to get back in the Eichel trade just because we're so used to just like morally being like hurt by this franchise for so many years? Like, Do you think we're just like expecting the worst, just hoping that we don't get hurt again? I am. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I, I think, I yeah, yeah, I think that's that's got to be the attitude. I mean, that's fair that that would be the attitude around everybody. Like, everything's gone wrong. Why that, that happened with me for the Bills at one point. It was just like, yeah, I'll believe when I see it. Right. Why but would that, you... That, that, was me, that was me with Allen. That was me with Josh Allen. Part of the reason I was so hesitant to just declare him the franchise quarterback of the team was I had been burned so many times by this team before. And yes, that was probably irrational because it's a different coach, it's a different GM, it's a different quarterback. But that bitterness resides. And that's going to happen here, too. What evidence is there to make you think otherwise? What evidence from the past several years is there to make you think the Sabres can come out on top or at least even in an Eichel trade? Because I don't think I see a shred. So yeah, to answer the question, maybe it's more of a feeling and I don't like to just use emotion when analyzing things like this, but I think it has to play a part. I am very used to, at this point, the Sabres being on the wrong side of things. So why should I expect a different result in one of the biggest trades in not just this franchise's history, but Buffalo sports history? 8030550 is the phone number. We'll take some calls when we come back before we get to Elliot Friedman. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. How far do you think Bryson DeChambeau hits a pitching wedge? More than I hit my driver. <laughs> How far do you hit your driver? I've never actually... I don't know if You've I... You've never I, golfed? I, I've golfed. Oh, okay. But I don't... I don't golf seriously enough where I... Okay. Like go to the range or figure out how many yards away I am. Okay. Really, I golf casually. He, uh, he just hit his pitching wedge 170. That is impressive. I know that it would take at least my six to yeah, get 170. I, I think I'd be at a six, too. I think. Um, we got primetime golf tonight for like the first time ever because the fog delay at the beginning of the, the round this morning, um, the fact that it's out west, you've got guys teeing off like they just teed off like 20 minutes ago. So this is going into the night, like 10, 11 o'clock. I'm going to have to pick between NBA, NHL, and the U.S. Open. That's a weird one. So You're not going to watch the NBA. 
I might, man. That is a good series, Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Durant had the best game I've ever seen him play in Game 4. He's pretty good. Game 5. Um, 803-0550 is the phone number. We're talking about Jack Eichel, and we're specifically really narrowing in on Anaheim. Although I do have a Devils trade idea that I want to throw your way that uh, the, the host of Locked On Devils threw my way that okay. I think you might be interested in. Right. I think everybody would be interested in it. Before we get to that, let's get some calls. Rich, you're first up on the nightcap. What's up, Rich? Gentlemen, good evening. Uh, your screener said that Giordano is uh, not on the trade list, right? Um, a, I believe that is right. Yes. So here's what I would propose. Four guys that need a new change of scenery. You uh, chain, or you trade Giordano, Moynihan, who I loved. I watched him. I watched Giordano. You trade those two guys to the Sabres, Giordano and Moynihan, with two to Sabres for Eichel and Ristolainen. Again, two guys in their chain of scenery. I don't care about the money situation. The Pagulas can pay more. I don't care about the draft picks or the compensation. But I think those four guys need a serious change of scenery. And I would love to have Moynihan and Giordano on this team. And then, like I said, Eichel don't want to be here. They'll get rid of them. And Ristolainen needs a change of scenery, so unfortunately we have to get rid of him too. Wait, but if we Rich, could do Rich, that, I'd love to see it happen. I don't care about the compensation or can the I ask money aspect. Rich, can I ask you a question, though? Why do you want Giordano so bad? Why do you want a 37-year-old defenseman who's got one year left in Be- his deal? Because um, the last two, three years, I've seen him score yep. goals that are important, whether it's regular play or postseason play. Oh, no, don't get, don't get me wrong. He He's good, but do, like they would – what would they want with him? They would want to be good right away next year, and you think that's possible? Well, it, I, I, even if it's one year, but Rissalainen does need to leave. He does not want to be here. He needs to change the scenery, and I understand that. And, yes, I know Giordano's 37 years old, but to, you 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 got to sweeten the pot. And, yes, is Eichel better than Moynihan? Obviously, yes. Yeah. But you got to sweeten the pot, and right. so I would be willing to take – Giordano for at least one year. All right, Rich, thanks for the call, man. I hate this deal. Sorry. I mean, Calgary. I don't mind Calgary as a, as a partner. Yeah, and I in Monaghan, I don't mind getting back. But a lot more would need to come Buffalo's way. But here's the thing. I am very much in favor of any deal that includes Ristolainen. <laughs> so any deal. I, I, was, I was yeah. perplexed at first, and once he said, let's get Ristolainen out, out of there, yeah. too, I was like, oh, <laughs> Uh, Monahan is 26. He's got two years left on his deal at 6.3 million. The guy I would want from Calgary is Kachuk. Yes. The only the, the deal to me that interests me the most from Calgary. I don't even know if this is enough though. Kachuk in 13. That's where they pick. They'd have to have another first in there. Because that's. Oh man, maybe that is enough. I don't know. It depends. What, it enough. depends. Kachuk's what not a prospect. Like we know. But he's 23. Kachuk's good. 23 is young. And he's got contract control. He's an RFA after next year. Um, there's rumors that he might want out of Calgary at some point. I, I don't mind Calgary as a partner. They're not number one on my list, but yeah, let's focus on Anaheim. Um, and I got and, a new and the Devils. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Chris first, though. Chris, you are on the nightcap. What's up, Chris? Hey, I, I love your show. I don't really call the show very often. Thanks, but man. You said something earlier on that uh, that I was perplexed by, and you talked about winning losing or at least tying the trade. I'm just curious what your measuring stick is. I know hockey trades are complex. He's talking about trading futures and picks and you know, you're drafting college players that are freshmen. What would you 
kind of use as your measuring stick for what determines winning or losing the trade? Is it is it team games, making the playoffs in two seasons, three seasons? Is it statistical head-to-head on who they trade for, who they get, and how Jack performs wherever he gets to go? Like, what, what's your measuring stick for yeah. win-loss tie at the trade? Chris, thanks for the call. I, I think this is a good question because it depends on how you're geared. The way I'm geared, I am not going to factor in team success when it comes to this trade. I'm going to look at, you know what, that's not completely true. I will look at how impactful the guys you get are towards your results. But if Zegris is awesome, if Zegris is Eichel 2.0, and who third, third, Kent Johnson, Kent Johnson Johnson is Reinhardt 2.0, if they become that good, which is as good as you can do, they could still be bad. Would I consider that a win? I, I think yes. If I can get a level of player back that is of Jack Eichel's caliber, which is so hard to find, that's a win for me. And one of those two pieces, either in that this specific deal, Zegris would have to become that, or a Kent Johnson, Will Eklund, or Beneers, if he's sitting there, would have to become that. I also think there's some context when you're talking about deals of this magnitude as well, because it will be very difficult for any individual player to measure up to Jack Eichel's production and ability that the Sabres get back in the deal, right? Jack Eichel is the best player in the deal, likely in any scenario, right? Yep. So we know that the team that gets the best player often is considered the winner, but if you can navigate a trade, uh, someone who doesn't necessarily want to be there, there's a mutual decision that Eichel and the Sabres don't see each other in their future, and there's got, there has to be a trade. If you cannot get embarrassed and you can get parts that build a better team, then I will consider that a win. But it's a good question because I don't know exactly how to answer that. How, how do you quantify if Zegris is a 55 to 60 point scorer and the third overall pick is a 45 to whatever? You want to say a, a, a 60 to 70 point scorer? Is that a win? I would think so because you get mm-hmm. a, a lesser Eichel, but you also added an additional number of points. It, it's a very difficult concept, but I guess my point is you cannot outright lose this trade. You cannot no, trade Ryan O'Reilly for a bag of pucks. You can't do that again. And that's kind of how I'm look, viewing this deal. We all knew this wasn't a good trade. The O'Reilly trade wasn't good almost immediately. No one really liked that trade from the get-go because the Sabres did not get the top prospects from St. Louis. They did not get Rob Thomas. They did not right. get a guy like that. They got, like, what was Thompson, the third or fourth best was, prospect? Usually he was third. It was always... Behind what, Kairou? Kairou, Kairou and Thomas were always the first two mentioned. And, and so that was an obvious loss almost right off the get-go. A yeah. couple of cap dumps, the third best prospect, and what we all knew was going to be a late first-round pick. We we all thought it was going to be, and then they were bad. And then we thought, oh my God, we're right. great. Around and the same, we're gonna... around the same time that the Sabers won ten in a right. row, we thought we were going yeah. to make the playoffs and get like the first overall pick. That's when we <laughs> all thought Jason Botterill was a genius. A genius. We, there was a two three week stretch there where we were king of the world, king of the world. We were first in the league, and we had the first overall. We had the first round pick of the worst team in the league. We, the Sabers, and the guy who who didn't want to be here, <laughs> what, like got kicked out. And like, yeah, we're good anyway. We're good Screw anyway. Screw you, buddy. And he went to St. Louis, and they became bad. And everyone was like, "Wow, 
I guess Ryan O'Reilly really is the problem. Can I just can we just go back and live that two weeks stretch <laughs> over and over and over and over and over? <laughs> Six months later, he hoists a con Smythe. We really were ready. We were taking victory laps. I bought a T-shirt in that two-week stretch that is a buffalo that inside says the tank worked. It did. It did, but no one was buying that T-shirt outside of that two-week window. <laughs> no one's selling those T-shirts right now. At I least think not. the tank it, did work. I, I the, do too. The tank is trying to get Eichel McDavid. Whatever you get you, from you Eichel, it. whatever you get from Eichel is the tank. Right. You don't have that. What happened after is yeah. what's it's not the tank's fault. It's not the tank's fault. I agree. Tank 2.0 this year? Shane Wright? Are we going to have the stomach for that? I might. No one else is going to want to hear it, I bet. Lose tonight for Wright? <sighs> Let's go. That is a slogan, baby. <laughs> that Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy you just said that. I might rip it off just a little bit. I'll give you credit. I appreciate worry. that. All right, we'll take a timeout here. We kind of ran out of time on Elliot Friedman, but that's okay because it's on demand and full at WGR550.com and the Odyssey app. When we come back, we only have a minute or two, so we'll take a call if we get it. And how Josh Allen did in his first pitch tonight, Blue Jays and Yankees, is going out at Salem Field. That's after this last call on WG. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Josh Allen did pretty well, I would say, for his... First pitch in the Blue Jays Yankees game. Although, did it, did you see the video? It looked like he skipped it, short of the mound. Yeah, he looked a little frustrated with himself. Yeah, but it was better than the last Bills quarterback to throw a first pitch. He's gonna go get his uh, pitching mechanics analyzed <laughs> by some supercomputer. Mapped. Yeah, yeah. He actually said this week, earlier in the week, that he had that done for a second consecutive offseason. Good. He already knows what. He wants it to look like, but he was just going through it, making sure that the muscle memory was sticking. Something like that. Love it. I truly believe that that is the reason the Bills are as good as they are. Like, that sole reason. That he had his throwing motion digitally mapped, and that's what fixed it. I don't know if you get a unprecedented rise in accuracy without it. And that wasn't working hard. That was working smart. I do think the game slowed down for him considerably, though. That, yes, that's true. That's I mean, true. he he just looks like a completely How'd, different player in the pocket last year than years one and even two, really. I know I get this question once in a while. I know we have callers once in a while that ask this question. Is there any thought in your mind that, like, I wonder if that was part partially because there was no crowd last year? Like his, his, his ascension? Yeah. Like would he? Don't you think he would he revert without um, a, a rise in play across the board? Though he wouldn't be the only player to. No, you're right. But he strikes me as the guy that is like he he gets into the moment almost, almost too, too much. wired, right? Too wired, and that like he hears the crowd roaring and he's like, "Yeah, let's go! I'm doing <laughs> this, baby! I'm taking us down to the end zone." And then he throws the ball three miles. Right, and then he laterals it to Dawson Knox. He's trying to be Superman. Yeah, I think the crowd might play into that. I think almost for sure that's not the case. I'm just saying people do ask that question. Well, I think last year was a good day, uh, a good lesson. If that's the way he really is, last year was a good lesson to, to maybe stay within yourself a little bit. And then finally, last thing, because we did tease it earlier in the show, and I do want to get to it even though we're jumping around here. Uh, we, we said we were going to talk about that Friedman comment about um, the Sabres and how they treat this draft. 
Let me just play that clip real quick. We'll talk about it and then we'll end for the night. This whole thing about this year's draft is really fascinating to me because it it fits with, you know, the way Moneyball was created, the whole Moneyball idea from the Oakland A's, and that is you not exploit Moneyball, something that other people don't value. And one of the things that I'm seeing here is that the Sabres are prepared to value this year's draft a bit more than some other teams are. There are teams who are not afraid to trade picks this year or willing to trade picks this year because they're not as confident about the draft. And the Sabres are kind of looking at it like, hey, maybe we can get an edge here by making sure we know this draft really well. I'll tell you what, Joe. Go ahead. Comparing the Sabres organization to Billy Bean is interesting. It's an interesting take that I do not agree with. I'm not sure Friedman has seen or read Moneyball. I do, listen, here's the thing. If they think that they can get pennies on the dollar for premium draft choices this year, I guess I'm okay with that. But the other thought about them thinking somehow that they're more prepared than other teams for this draft. That's, come on. What do you? What, what have what these other teams other te- been doing? <laughs> yeah, what do you think they're, they're golfing? What do, what do you think this, they're, they're doing? Right, exactly. They might just have a differing opinion. Doesn't mean that they know more. Nobody knows anything. Oh, no one knows anything. No one knows anything about these prospects. Nothing. You can do all the scouting you want. You've no clue how good they're going to be in the league. You have. You can have. You can have a, a range of like what right. their best and worst case scenarios are. But those are extreme. There's so many examples. I don't even need to start in, like, guys we thought were great and weren't. Guys we thought were going to stink and weren't. Um, it is a little money-ballish to use the know. phrase find value where other people don't. Is it that or is it just they? this is the draft they were dealt with? That this just happened to be the year that the draft that this draft class was when they were going to move Eichel this offseason as opposed to, like, I don't know, next draft class when Shane Wright is in the class. It's Moneyball, Joe. It's Moneyball. I think I think the reason you're hearing stuff like this, maybe, is the Sabres want you to know they think this class is going to be great because this is the draft class they're going to restart their franchise with. Because It better be great. <laughs> hey, hey, the third overall pick this year might be the equivalent of the ninth overall pick next year. Cool, but, cool, cool. But cool, like, cool, yeah, cool. I don't know. We'll end there. What do you think? When do you think we get a Nyquil trade, realistically? Tomorrow? You, are you ex- are you going to bed every night wondering no, if the next morning is going to be the, the morning? Not tomorrow. I would say in the next seven days would be my range. I bet it's in the next seven days. Oh, finally, a uh, quick answer because I, I ran out of time on another thing I teased. Uh, the, the, Trey, the host of Locked on Devils, uh, tweeted me and asked me if he thinks Jack Hughes in the fourth pick would get it done for Eichel. What do you think? Very intrigued. More intrigued than the Ducks offer if they were giving it to you? I think Hughes is a better, has a higher ceiling than Zegris, and the fourth pick compared to the third pick is what? Kind of who cares, right? The difference here is Hughes has a bigger sample size in the NHL, and it's not as not as prolific as you might like. 52 points in 117 games. Sure. But he's first overall for a reason. Yeah. Last year was an uptick. A little bit. 31 points in 56 games. I'm and intrigued. A, I'm not saying that it would okay. be fair value. I'm not saying that I would love it if it happened. But I am not saying no. That would be what they have to offer. If the Devils wanted in on this at all, especially with them being in the East, that would have to be the minimum that they're offering. 
they probably would have to offer more. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight on the Nightcap. Went a little late here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. ESPN Radio is coming up next. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 o'clock here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.